Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers. I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Hey, it's great. Mr. Dennis, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Dennis Rogers. I was trying to say <laughs> some kind of pan about Steve Rogers. And oh, okay, okay. It. Yeah. It, it escaped me because I know Endgame's coming up. Yeah. All Captain America all the time. Let's, I fear. Let's, um, we've got a lot of, well, we don't have a lot of topics, but we have a lot of things to talk about. All of our topics yeah. are going to be spoiler heavy. So I'll try to I'll try to remember to make that clear before we before we shift topics. But well, let's start we, out. We can say that right off the bat. We're gonna if you're gonna listen to any of our topics, it's gonna be spoiler from discovery to whatever. Yeah. It's gonna be so yeah, basically. just know everything today. So the first spoiler we're gonna talk about is uh, let's call this a good times segment. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to talk about the DC Universe movie Shazam with an exclamation point. Oh, hey, that's your that's your good times, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we know where you come down on this already. I finally, I finally saw that movie. Yeah, you know what? It's that's actually really funny because I just watched it with Sydney too. I saw it on a preview like a week before it came out, mm. but had not had an opportunity. Really, been so busy with to get Sydney to were go. you she was someone I wanted uh, to see. So yeah, as we said, we're going to spoil Shazam, Zachary Levi. Yeah. Um, were you glad that you had seen it yourself before? You probably do this anyway, but you had seen it yourself before you took your daughter to see it? Uh, that's a good question, and the answer to that is actually no. I wish that I would have watched it like I watched it this last weekend instead. Um, watching it with Sydney was a hundred times better than watching it without Sydney. I could see that. I yeah. watched this movie sitting next to my 25-year-old brother, uh, Andrew, who we've had on the show, mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. uh, reads more comics than I do, and he had um, grievances. <laughs> does he does he uh, read any Shazam slash Captain Marvel? He, he must. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you, I'll put a link. I didn't read this article, but there's apparently a fascinating Wikipedia article on the various iterations of Captain Marvel who. The uh, Shazam was originally Captain Marvel in the DC universe back yeah. in the late thirties, which I did not realize comic books started before mm-hmm. world war two mm-hmm. shows you how much I know. Yep. Uh, they, um, they talked about it a little oh, bit yeah. on geek scholars, but I'll put a link to the Wikipedia article. If yeah, go, we're not going to talk about no. that here. That history. That's too much. And, and I don't even, even I don't know all of that. I just know there was that. So, so let me, let me ask you off the bat here. The, the issue that, uh, my brother took issue with I'm using issue in both forms there. Um, mm-hmm. What's the deal with the other kids in the comics? Did they turn into one dude? No, I will. Again, I don't know all the history. Sure. Um, in the, I, I very, in whatever very version, on... whatever version of this character you are familiar with. Sure. In in the version that I am familiar with, kind of loosely familiar with, first off, I know him as Captain Marvel. I've always kind of known him. So. Oh, I see. Um, but, they were Mary Marvel. I knew of Mary Marvel and uh, Freddie oh, Freeman, and I knew of them. And I would see them for a long time in their costumes. Okay. And every when I was in the comic book store, and I'd say, "Oh, this artwork looks nice," or whenever I'm up for a new comic book, and I would invariably pick up Captain Marvel or Shazam or whatever it might be, and flip through the pages. Those characters were in there. Now, so hasn't they've been around for a while as as separate 
all separate characters. As separate people. I'm, I mean, there could have been, who knows, at a certain point, there could have been a time when they were all into one. Okay, who and, knows? And, but I'm right? not crazy that there's some version of a of this character or a character just like this that's like five kids combined into one. That that I don't know, but okay. that's interesting. It It rings a bell as much as it probably does to you about something like that. It could be this. I'll tell you the only but. thing I know about Shazam is from the Injustice series. So my oh, yeah. my knowledge is even sure. more shallow than yours. So yeah, unsurprisingly, the, to the, long time. So I, I will say that the ending when, which is this is the big spoiler, was that when they, they do the whole Marvel family comes out, I was very surprised that they went full on with this. They were like, they weren't going to save it for a second or a third mm. movie or anything. They just went straight on. Let's put it all out there. I could and, sort of see the mentality of that, like sort of in, in typical DC fashion. Well, I guess what I think of as typical DC fashion, the DC universe is so on the ropes right now. I don't think any um, producer would bank on a movie getting a sequel, right? Well, that's that's exactly why we have... Um, Ocean Master and Black Manta in the same movie. I mean, that's why we had these like in Aquaman. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what I any mean, of that. We is. don't. But those are the those are the two villains. The two villains. You've seen Aquaman, yeah. Here, the big guy with the big bulbous head and the, the main guy. Right. Yeah. There was a lot of. Right. But, th- but that's there was that's a lot of story in that villains. movie, and I mostly didn't care it, about any of it. But that. But that's why we had. There was a lot of story in that movie because of that same reason that they. It felt like as a guy who's familiar with some of that, that they were just trying to put everything in. And it was like, it almost felt like a desperate, let's just put everything in there because this may be the only one we get. I mean, it's maybe the only time we get a Shazam. Movie. I, you know? I mean, I think if you're, I get if it. you're making a, if you're making a DC universe movie, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta be feeling some of that desperation. Right. Sure. And, and you're right. And you know, honestly, especially if you're a DC lifetime DC fan, I know when I saw X Men come out for the first time, I was like, "This is finally I get to see this. I get to you know <laughs> see these people, and I just want to see Magneto. Right? I, I just want to see that. So they probably do that. And I and can we can we get like Sabretooth in there too? Oh my gosh, it's got all that. And I was just elated, <laughs> never thinking there'd be ever a sequel, something like that. So I can I I understand that. Um, but but still. That's not a knock against this because I actually liked the the kid turning kids turning in there. That was a really good twist slash progression. Here's here's what I'll say about this movie. Um, our buddy Fox was wrong about it getting a PG rating. It was PG thirteen. Um, although I think it probably trended toward the PG side of the PG thirteen spectrum. Sure. Less so than, uh, for example. Was wasn't Venom three D uh, a PG thirteen or was that um, was that R? It was PG thirteen. It was PG, it was but PG-13. it was like yeah. hard. It was much closer to the R end of the spectrum. Right. Yeah. We 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 had a topic about a discussion about this one time about how some things can be. It's all context and yeah. I mean, it's a like, it's a subjective rating. There's no like you can say list the F word in some PG yeah, thirteen yeah. movies, but this one gets it because he flips the bird. If you're a if you're a concerned parent, just go to Kids in Mind. And uh, they'll they'll itemize all of the offending content in the show. Yeah. I would say in this movie, the the parts that most concerned me, uh, as far as that rating system goes, were the boardroom scene. And there's a scene somewhere where a dude's head gets bitten off. 
that's later at the oh, carnival. Oh, that's that's the boardroom scene. They do one of those. Two. I, he, I think he do a couple times, but in that scene, he they do. I, I on the second time through, I noticed that it was like he goes and puts his head around his head, and then it cuts away. It sort of cuts away. And, yeah, and you see his you see his legs like shake. So I when uh, we went and saw this movie this past weekend, and I took my all of my family who live here nearby me, including my mom, who does not watch superhero movies like anything speculative at all she's like you know that's not real that's did, did she enjoy it i know she did a, i kind of stretch, but... i think she enjoyed it more than i did hmm, that's good uh, because of course you know i you know and i said after is on the drive home or whatever i said the two the two scenes that i was concerned about because we were at opposite ends of the row i said the two scenes i thought maybe would have would have bothered you in some way were uh that boardroom scene and the scene early on when the kid gets lost in the crowd you know that's a that's that's a hard scene for a mom to watch right (laughs) Right. um but of course you know she really enjoyed the themes of family and sibling Mm -hmm. relationships and and all of that we recently watched um instant family with uh okay uh mark Wahlberg. And, oh, yeah, um, okay. oh, shoot. I had her name right there. Rachel, not Rachel. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to think of it. No, now. it's gone. Right. Um, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> uh, and, and so she, she enjoyed that stuff. I, I'm inclined to agree with, uh, the impression that our buddy Fox had that all of the scenes without Zachary Levi kind of fall flat. Um, because he's sure. he's so good, he's so charismatic in this role. Like this is a perfect role for him. It's like when Jack Black was the teenage girl in the new Jumanji movie. Um, it's just perfect for him. Um, right. And so when you have these other scenes of like conflict between the two kids and whatever, like it's good, but a lot of it felt a little hallmark to me. It did, and 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 I I think my thoughts in general. Are- almost got a point to to fox's lrm uh review he did because they're they're pretty much echoed everything i said mm. or i thought in my mind was the, the the when you said that the zachary levi scenes it wasn't just that it was like that the two characters that were playing billy batson had their own characters they weren't playing each other mm. it wasn't the, it wasn't billy with when he turned into shazam it was this just this different guy who was a different fourteen-year-old kid, and then there's you, you know what I mean, yeah. And and Sydney and I talked about it on the way home, and I and I was just kind of saying things out loud, streams of consciousness, and I was thinking, it's probably because uh, Zachary Levi was playing what he thought a fourteen-year-old boy as he remembers it to be, sure. If he had superpowers and what that's like, as best because that's what actors do, yeah. And then whereas the fourteen-year-old boy was playing like he's he's right in the middle of angsty teenager years he knows what teenagers are like and is mostly angsty teenagers sure they're not happy fun go lucky kids as you might remember them to be um so he kind of just he plays that and every time that kid's on the screen it's very much like a just a kind of a jerk kid Mm. and then he when he when he pretends to be something he's not like he starts acting like oh i love you guys now it's like (laughs) all right this is this is not that actor i can tell he's just he's acting these lines but Zachary Levi was totally a different thing. And I don't know what, except for maybe a director having conversations with the two. And I mean, saying, that's, hey, you guys need to get on the same page. Yeah, that's all in the direction, right? Like an yeah. actor can do whatever they want, but 
you know, the director is there to keep them on, on task on, you know, to make the, the yeah. And to make that, the that was, a, real. that was a misstep there. Yeah. I really do. Because I, I think that, um, Billy Batson as Shazam was always excited and happy and ready to go and loved everything that was happening. And then as soon as he turns back into Billy Batson, the boy, everything's terrible. I hate school. I'm kind of a jerk to my friends, but you know, the Billy Batson yeah, Shazam the, is always the like, whole, like smiling when he does. Yeah. Things. The whole, like him being, being a jerk and just like showing off for money on the streets. That all felt very like, like you, you're saying Zachary Levi being a 14 year old. Yeah. So, so that, that, that when I first watched it was really not a, a thing for me, but watching it with Sydney was a good opportunity for me to do the things that I need to do. And I, I, I'm, make myself do is to check myself as yeah. a person who watches movies a lot and says sure. and, and not be a critic because <laughs> I'm not a big fan of critics in general sure because they just get too ingrained in what's happening and you do too many stuff and then you start comparing when really Sydney sat down and was like gasping at things <laughs> and when they turned in she was so excited she starts like shaking her hands and she's so you know jumping it sits on the edge of her seat because of x y or z and I think you know what? This is what I got to remember about watching a movie like yeah, this. Yeah, it's the it's the academy problem. It's it's funny. I said this off the air cuz it's a little bit political, but there's a scene in Instant Family, the movie I I mentioned a few minutes ago, where um Mark Wahlberg and his wife are going to adopt or they're going to be foster parents. And that, you know, against most people's recommendation, they talk to this teenage girl cuz you know, nobody wants to foster teenagers. And she has two much younger siblings. And all three of the kids are uh, Hispanic or Latinx. And uh, Mark Wahlberg says to the adoption coordinators, one of whom is uh, Tig Nataro, who's in Discovery, right? The mm-hmm. the engineer. Um, mm-hmm. And they're very funny. But he says... He says um, are you sure it's not a problem? The whole white savior thing, like in Avatar, where the people couldn't, you know, survive until the white guy came in and sit. And of course, uh, the the adoption coordinators are like, "Okay, sure, no problem. We'll just put you guys down whites only." And you know, his <laughs> wife's giving him a hard, and he's just going on and on. I I said that he was uh, um, channeling a little bit of uh, Vince Vaughn in that character. But it's right. my my reaction to seeing that scene is I was like, oh, this is this is a thing that only people who talk about movies all the time care about or think is important. Like in the real world, right. in a real situation, like it doesn't matter a kid, a, a group of children or any, you know, with no family still want to be part of a loving family. It's that stuff doesn't matter as much as film critics or even people like us who are somewhere in between uh right it you know they don't care about that stuff in the in the real world um right and and it's great to be able to go with like your mom and see that she enjoys it for what she enjoys it for yeah it's right? like it's like just what yeah it's um and like you said it's an issue of saturation right like you watch so much stuff that you're like oh yeah this is just the same you're doing the same trope that's just like this um but for the average, you know, the average American goes to the movie theater six times a year, right? 
Like, if that's the only movie they saw this year, like, they're probably having a good time. Exactly. And that's and that's because they may have seen it once that that trope once when they were a kid. And that's about it. Right. You know, so, yeah, it it is for all the things that that we talk about shows or movies or whatever it might be. I think it's important that we preface it with our opinions only or our thoughts on this kind of things only, because I don't care if a movie does $10 million or less. If you like it, it's okay. Yeah. And there, there's, you know, there's reasons for every movie being made unless except it's except the last Jedi. That was, just mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but no, if, if, uh, and there are some generally terrible shows. I mean, but. I mean that should be said at any time. Any t- like, you know, we are not reviewers. We are not critics. Everything we talk yeah. about on this show is just our impressions, our feelings, and we are two guys with our own uh, subjective opinions on things. And you know, it's sh- it's no indication of whether something is quote unquote good or quote unquote bad, or whether or yeah, not you'll like it far. if you. If you like most of the stuff that we like, then you'll probably like things that we recommend and, and, right, but right. not necessarily. Uh, yeah, you know. for sure. I mean, you and I, you and I have widely difference on disagree on things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and stay with several of my friends and you'd think that Fox and I agree on most things, movies and we don't No. Nope. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, if you like a trailer or, um, I think when you when you watch, uh, you're looking forward to a movie or that you're thinking about a movie. It's not bad to look at reviews, but you know, I would, if I, if anything, I would say, do like what I guess what I do is let you know. I I listen to what Fox says and what Chris says and J- and Jill says, and then I go and listen to my other friends if they've seen it before or how, what they think about it, and kind of like minded people, mm-hmm. and then get that opinion. Yeah. Instead of going to a, a site or an aggregate site or whatever it might be. Um, and then and then you can make that call. Do, do I want to spend my money? Yeah. I mean, you got to unfortunately, it takes a little bit of, of time and effort, but you got to figure out what um, you got to figure out the source. Right. You got to figure mm-hmm. out who that person is and what kind of stuff they watch what kind of stuff they like our buddy pete talks about a a guy on twitter who posts a lot of stuff about the indianapolis colts um who apparently has the time to watch every movie that he watches twice and so then when he does recommend something for our buddy pete it carries more weight because this is a guy who you know puts a lot of time and effort into this it's not you know like us just giving our hot takes on stuff yeah, you know, and and speaking of like Pete and and some of our other friends, there are definite. I mean, I have friends that we hang out with all the time, and there are like we go to the movies, and they are just totally not the kind of pe- movies that I like, or they will see them for totally different reasons, and I would think they're terrible movies, mm-hmm. but that's you know that's their like, and they may like the smaller movies or the bigger movies, and yeah. Anyway, um, with Shazam. It was just a great kind of a refresher to me to look at that and say, you know, this is a fun movie. This is a a totally good-ish movie for what you want it to be. Uh, Sid loved it. That's the review I can think of there is that she was super excited about all of it. Not as much as she was for Captain Marvel, but I think she was pretty happy with this. Yeah, it's um, in our group chat. I think 
our buddy Pat and I were were making jokes about what uh, what scale to put it on before I went and saw it because I said, you know, I made the joke like on a scale of one to four out of ten, where should I set my expectations for this <laughs> right, movie? Right, right. I did, um, and our buddy Pat said, uh, not as good as Empire Strikes Back, but better than Last Jedi. <laughs> right for this movie, I said uh, better than Justice League, not as good as Aquaman. Which that's a pretty good fit. I'm in there. still a... kind of on the fence. Like Aquaman succeeded at being what it was trying to be, I think, which was just. I think Sid would have put it above Aquaman. Yeah, for, and so it's example. it's kind of close. It really sits about at the same place as Aquaman. Like just a fun, goofy, like maybe a lot of references for the comic nerds, but a lot of it's not accurate. So you're you know alternatively. Uh, pandering and insulting uh, or offending that demographic. Right. But uh, I honestly think that the demographic is, you know, uh, 10 to 15 year olds, maybe 16 year olds. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, it's, and that it's works heavy family um, themes. Uh, there's a little bit of that uh, big stuff, you know, Tom Hanks movie that our buddy Fox predicted. So yeah, overall, right, like, I, I would put, I would put like infinity war and Avengers in a, uh, 35 to 40 year old person's must see movie thing yet this may even be more bigger to watch than the original Avengers for someone who's 14 sure um, right because it's just much more their style of things I mean they go in there and they try to buy a beer and then they hate it uh-huh. and then they go, come out with candy right which is exactly whatever like Sid loved that she was just like she laughed out loud in the theater yeah right of course that's what she would go back through and they're putting hot things down in their mouth and eating them and talk. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 It's, it's perfect. For it. It's pretty much spot on. All right. Speaking of, it was a good time. Speaking of movies that were made for 14 year olds, let's jump over and talk about our 2020 challenge. Uh, this week's challenge is the 1985 James Cameron, uh, sci-fi dystopian thriller uh terminator yeah it's funny i i think that when this came out though it was 18 and over for it was like a definite heart i mean there's a nude scene so you know there's that but uh, right well and back then when it came out it was like cursing and violence was definitely that's oh yeah yeah. for took for grown-ups to watch in the mid 80s for sure yeah, I mean, if if you had uh, lenient parents or um, could sneak into places when people weren't looking, you could watch these movies, but it was not. Enough. Right. So anyway, that that's to say that what it is now, everything about this show when I watched it was <laughs> difficult because, was it perspective? Yeah, uh, it's your classic um, uh, look at it from today's eyes kind of thing. Yeah, and, and I, I had it said, I've always said that I don't want to do that, and I... I have a lot of fond memories about Terminator, especially Terminator 2, or even this one. I mean, really, all the scenes, the future scenes, was I ate that up when I was younger. Yeah, they're, just, they didn't age well. No, but I thought they were amazing, you know? Here's my uh, here's my big yeah. observation before we get any deeper into this movie. I know that any opportunity we get to praise John Williams, you and I do this, but um, <laughs> I was listening yeah. to a video game podcast, and they were trying to judge their favorite action movies, these three guys um, of all time. And they were trying to put movies above Fury Road. And I'm not an action movie guy. So I'm like, I don't really have a dog in this race. But um, 
one of them brought up at some point the importance of music. Apparently, I saw Fury Road, but I don't remember much about it. Like, apparently the music in it is all really good. And he said, he made the claim that if they had made Star Wars with the other typical kind of music that was being used in sci-fi films of that era, it would be just another one of those, like, cult classic, but mostly forgotten. I'd probably agree with that. It's a it's a pretty a bold statement, but, am, but I agree. On probably. reflection, you know, I'm on the record as being kind of down on the story. Like it's it's fairly simplistic. Like you do eventually get this big significant redemption arc of for Darth Vader, but the yeah. basic, you know, grumpy kid meets an old wizard in a cave, like is a fairly standard um, adventure story. And you get that in a lot of movies in that time. You could you yeah. watch uh, Dragon Slayer and a lot of things like that. Those are the same stories, right? And so if you if you take the John Williams out of it, like I think that's easily fifty percent of what makes that movie. Hey, by the way, I just heard. Uh, um, I want to say something about that, like knowing what kind of movie it is. I just listened to an interview with Mark Hamill, hmm. Luke Skywalker. For those who wonder. Um, is it his trolling joke? He, no, but that was part of the interview still was that, that <laughs> one. I saw that in there. He said um, uh, they showed a picture. They're like, hey, look at this. Like an old picture of the four of the, the main cast. of the Sure. Ones, you know, and it was like, hey, isn't that great when you're kids? And he was like, yeah, they were all just talking about. He was talking, reminiscing about stuff. And he said that he was so excited about some things and, and worried about the way they shot it. He was talking about that one specific scene that they showed the picture of and they were in the Millennium Falcon. And he said um, they had shot the this scene before they sh- and it took place after the trash compactor scene. Yet they shot it out of order, and yeah. it happened. It happened first, right? right? Or they shot it first. And he and, and uh, Mark Hamill said, "Hey, wait a minute! Should my hair be all messed up, and it should be wet, and I should be like, coming <laughs> out of this thing?" And he said, "Harrison turned to me and said, it's not that kind of movie, kid.'" <laughs> he said, if they're worried about your kind of your hair then well you know, yeah we i got mean other kind of problems. i mean go like try and put your mind in a pre-star wars world and go yeah what the hell is this like laser swords right. and like it's just another i mean this is before battlestar galactica but it's just another cheesy you know like star trek you know this yeah. is i mean Sir after, Alec took it for a paycheck after star right? trek you know uh, the original series and well way before next generation you know it was just this cheesy thing that like some you know a handful of people are gonna see and it's whatever and uh to to get this this conversation back on track that i, I thought of that every time there was music in in the terminator it's just this cliche cheesy every time they do that like synthesized orchestra hit it kept, oh, it, yeah, I know. Exactly it reminded about, yeah. me of um, uh, Duran Duran. Um, <laughs> is it Duran Duran? I think it's Duran Duran that did uh, the theme for The Living Daylights, one of the okay. Timothy Dalton James Bond films. Mm-hmm. And it has that like, bum, but every hit is that like synthesized orchestra hit. Uh, it's like the, they were playing a guitar. It's just so, uh, so cliche, so cheesy. Um, yeah, yeah. This this sits firmly in the '80s, and and it's it is dated. 
that that is without beating around the bush on this 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 movie's dated and watching it today i i can't say people will put this on their list of like you said greatest action movies or what's in the thing and you could not put a teenager in front of the tv screen right now and say this is an amazing movie isn't it and they would be like no this is not that it's okay <laughs> but it's not that i mean people act really pretty terribly um of note i noticed that there are several alums of the alien movie like aliens okay. sorry uh, in it and bill paxton's in it really young bill paxton he's one of the the punks that the terminator first runs into oh he takes okay clothes. i didn't i didn't and spot he's that. like you know let's get this guy and like, it's a terrible horrible <laughs> acting scene that's just bad and arnold schwarzenegger if it tells you anything he's one of the best actors here oh yeah he just and it's that's not that's telling you the whole thing. It's all pretty badly acted. All the cops, which are played by pretty guys we know now that are decent actors, mm -hmm. they weren't put it, turning in their best game here. Or the script itself was not the best. No, game. yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of that's so, the script. Uh, I kept thinking, in certain ways, of Highlander, and hmm. I think this. If you if you stack those movies together, Highlander has a better soundtrack. I think this is definitely better than Highlander. <laughs> Okay. Uh, sure. I can agree with that. I, uh, I want to say that what made this movie good in the context was because I was there at the time was that it had a, a unique idea of time travel and, and something that you can't think of unless you live through it was that the, the world was going to, in the eighties, the world was going to end any day. Sure. It really was. I mean, there was nuclear stuff. We were all worried that the Russians and the Russians were all worried about the Americans at yeah, any point yeah. destroying the world. And Judgment Day was a thing that we lived with. And, you know, that they could be there's a, I'm sure there's huge books on why the, the generation of the 70s and 80s acted the way they did, because they could all just die at any time and from some foreign thing that we wouldn't know. And that's what Judgment Day was, is that it happened. And now we get to talk about time travel and how it affects. And then the whole idea of this guy sending his dad back in time that doesn't know he becomes his dad. <laughs> that was a really neat storyline thing that had never kind of been played with a lot. Yeah. I mean, not, then. not fully new. There's, there's time travel in Star sure. Trek. And of course the concept of, you know, the AI, you know, um, um, apocalypse or whatever was probably mostly pioneered by Isaac Asimov and other sci-fi writers um, before this movie, but not, so so not new, but definitely not played out to the extent that it is now, where like every right. third movie is like, oh, somebody you know I'm sure I expect there'll be some kind of time travel in this upcoming uh uh Avengers Endgame movie. Right. Yeah, the the and the thing that this did well for the times, knowing all that stuff is like even if it was done before, like Star Wars, it was just never done this kind of good, I guess. They like for the graphics and the time, that was amazing. The futuristic scenes were pretty neat to see. I mean, I could watch them and see them on the screen that they were on, but they were still pretty good for the 80s. I'll tell you, really the, the stuff that impressed me um, were the scenes with the laser eye. Because, mm -hmm. you know, my sister said she made the observation the first time you see the whole head with the laser eye, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a fake head. That whole yeah, that whole head, head is yeah. not real, and then he puts on sunglasses so that it can be Arnold Schwarzenegger again. Yep. And you get to the end of the movie when the whole 
um, you know, um, metal skeleton robot is moving. And uh, my brother said, uh, he said, oh, that's some uh, uh, that's some Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer stuff right there. (laughs) It totally is, Um, right? (laughs) But before that. When I didn't remember it being so bad either. I, that I that not. I did remember because I watched this like ten or fifteen years ago. But oh man, and it was you know it was old by then. That was probably still pre Lord of the Rings. But you know we were well beyond stop motion special effects at that point. Mm. But uh, when they show the head with the laser thing, I really had to watch from scene to scene and go, is that? Is that a fake head? Is that a real head? And that's still now. So you're like, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive for the time. Yeah, that, that's that's the key. That's the key point right there is that this thing's about fake heads and the claymation. That was the norm for movies. Mm-hmm. That's how all of the entire movie of every movie was. So when you see those, you're like, OK, that's expected. That's what we see of how robots we have to have robots move in Hollywood. But then the scenes or the eyeballs or whatever later on that are actually really pretty believable. That's what blew people out away. Yeah, that was the you know, like when the 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 robot is pulling himself towards her that's that was neat i mean even today it looked pretty good or the and or the one looked, moment where he uh he slaps the guy and he falls back oh yeah where right, kyle gets hit right. by the by the robot by the skeleton uh and he gets knocked it's like you know it's they're doing some kind of overlay with the film but it looks real it looked pretty good and if that looked pretty good to today, it was like mind-blowingly realistic to them back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. So I get where this sits in the place of the context of things on this list that we're going through. But my review of these things today is that, yeah, you can skip it. It's a thing in the past, you know, but I don't think it should sit personally on a, you know, all-time must-see TV type stuff. For me. Yeah. So so coming back to this in our our final thoughts, um, mm-hmm. would you call this a bucket list movie, uh, a good rewatch movie, or a movie you could pass on? I'm really sad to say it's a movie you could pass on. I mean, and do you think you don't have to watch this? If you're, I'm I'm kind of in of the same mind. Like if you are a big fan of of movies from the '80s and film history, you've probably already seen this. Um, yeah. It's it's significant in the history of film. Uh, we unfortunately did not get time to uh, watch Terminator 2, which mm-hmm. I think is generally considered to be the better of these two movies. It is, but I will tell you this. it's there's It doesn't deviate too far from what Terminator 1 does. It's mainly just about like the same kind of plot arc, and they spend the same amount of time on action as they do on talking in this one. So sure. it's not... Again, they do things that wowed people like the the CG uh, character, you know, and you'll know if you watch back, watch Terminator 2. Now it looks really hokey, hmm. but, but that was mind blowingly amazing back then. Well, there's a new there's a new movie coming out, I think, this year that's supposed to pick mm-hmm. up from Terminator 2. So when that is close in the theaters, I think we'll go back and uh, we'll go back and watch that in addition For to sure. whatever our movie is that week. And um, right. And we'll see. Yeah, we... And if you like the Terminator movies, especially because they are still coming out, um, then then it is a you must watch it. 
Of course. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you and you casually like the, the shows that they're putting out now, go back and watch it. It's got the story that sets everything up for the whole everything. Yeah. I mean, I think unless it's unless it's truly impractical, like I would never recommend somebody to watch all of classic Doctor Who or <laughs> even all of Star Trek if you want to get into that uh, um, whatever mythology. Um, yeah. There are only like five of these. You can watch them all, and you should watch the first one if you're going to watch them yeah. all, if you're going to watch yeah. any of them. Matter of fact, I bet you in the mythology of the thing, I bet you two is skippable, but one is not. Hmm. I can't. Because I, I, yeah. I don't, we'll, we'll, I don't think I've seen later. two all the way through, so I can't dispute that right. that claim. But uh, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna say, I mean, people I know that are listening to this that know me are going to be like, what? Why would you say that? But, They're screaming yeah. at their phones. I watched it. Go back and watch it, people. It's... It's just okay. Yeah. It's just okay. Okay, so we got other things that we watched, though, that, like, there are last two things that we, we decided to talk about tonight. All right, um, let's, let's huge. talk about the freaking Star Trek Discovery Season 2 finale. Spoilers oh. ahead. Yeah, I'm not, even, I'm not even holding back. I've been waiting to talk about this kind of stuff. Um. So I'm going to contain myself about all the <laughs> stuff because we do. I have a limited time on our show. Uh, I loved it. I loved all about it. I think Star Trek is. I fawn over it every week, every time. I'm going to keep because they keep giving me quality stuff. I mean, we had um, we had a lot of qualms in season one. There were a couple mm-hmm. episodes in season two where we were like, uh, "Okay, but man, man, did they go out with a bang?" I mean, yeah. just. From the beginning of the episode, they start this battle, and like you get you get yet another Anson Mount Christopher Pike speech, and he's like, "This is Starfleet. Get it done." Yeah. And I'm like, "God, this dude, this dude." <laughs> and they do this battle, and it like I'm like, "How are they going to fight all these all these things?" And they they start launching shuttles, and you're like. Oh, of course, that's how Starfleet would fight. You never saw him do that before because they didn't have the technology to have a bunch of shuttles flying around. But it looks like a combat scene in um, in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, where, where where the capital ships are shooting out the big rays, keeping the smaller things at bay while the little ones are like a cloud around the ships. Yeah, 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 and that's that's what happened here. And yeah. There's so much that they do with. I love how you mentioned Spike's speech about getting it done. They do. They do that in the last several episodes with um, emotional scenes where they don't say a lot. They mm-hmm. just give you a nod or a look, or most importantly in this one, they just stand up and do that kind of standing salute where they've got their har- arms behind their back. Yeah, they established that a couple weeks ago as the Starfleet salute. They don't salute, you know, with their hands like modern military do they just have this uh you know it's sort of like our eddie's posture it's a stance that they do and it, it's and it's powerful when they do it mm-hmm. right and and the the director and the cinematographer give it the weight and all the scenes that they do with people they don't always have to say stuff and that's really on the directors a lot i mean the actors are phenomenal here but the directing their directing is right on point too so um I, I, this may jump around a little bit here, but I'm, I have so many things I want to ask. <laughs> what did you think about uh, Beardless Spock? Yeah, I know that Bearded Spock was a, kind of an issue for you. And wow, that just like, I didn't see that actor underneath all that hair. Yeah, I mean, he had a lot of beard. And, you know, I, 
I sort of now see what their plan was. I mean, this this sort of ties into the way the episode ends, but I yeah. I made this prediction, whatever, halfway through the season when we started to get the sense of what the Red Angel was and the whole time travel thing. I did not foresee the specifics of the ship is going to be gone and they're going to they're going to classify everything. I sort of yeah. I sort of anticipated a like rewrite history thing, which is sort of what they're doing, but I love the like this I I think of it as a tightrope walk cuz I'm like this is hard to do successfully. Um deal with creating a a sort of prequel story in a well-established, well-loved mythology or or universe. Right. Right? Like, J.J. Abrams made his first movie back in 2009, and he said, okay, here's the deal. A guy comes through, he travels through time, and now we're in an alternate timeline. He changes stuff, he destroys Vulcan. Spoilers for that movie, that 10-year-old movie. And, uh, and now everything's different. And I was like, okay, I respect that in a certain way. I'm like, mm-hmm. you put a big a big stamp on it at the beginning and said, alternate timeline. Now, right. nothing else matters. You can do the same characters, but they have different paths now. And that's fine. And this one did not even... This show... It took the hard road. This show did not do that. They said, we're going to do this story. We're going to throw in crazy technology. We're going to throw in... a." a big historical war. There's still the question of like the Romulans. There are no Romulans, but maybe, I mean, the Romulans had to have been before this, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a thing in the original series that the Federation fought a war with the Romulans, but there was no visual, like they never saw them. Yeah. Right. Which is why when they see them, they're like, Oh, these guys look just like our science officer here with the pointy ears and whatnot. Uh, yeah. So that's obviously before, but they did all this stuff and they said, okay, here's the thing. We're classifying all this. So it happened, but the reason nobody, you know, Spock never talks about his sister is because he can't because it's classified. And I'm like, that's, that's a good. That's- yeah. And, and if there, there's only one character that is in most of all of the rest of the series that had heavy, heavy involvement that was left over and that's Spock and it's Spock and Spock and Spock is the one character that could hold that and never say anything. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. For in, sure. In all of Star Trek, he's the guy that would be like, yeah, that guy would never speak about something again. Right. You know, but and now Sarek and the mom, you don't see them much as much in all of the rest of the series is for them to like spill anything. Or I'm not sure if mention you ever sister. see Amanda. Maybe you do in you the see, original series. Yeah. I don't remember. Well, you, no, well, you see Amanda in... In later stuff, like you see her in the Next Generation, and you see her. In... No, you see. No, no, no. Not, uh, sorry, in J.J. Uh, Abrams. Okay, universe. right. That's it's Winona Ryder, and that's you know different, different timeline. Whatever it gets complicated, but well, um, actually, that would be same stuff because up until before then, it was still her. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so any, in, anyway, they're they're not main characters that are speaking throughout the right, whole time and right. could have an opportunity to say that. Um, so that that was well done, and there's only one exception to that whole thing that is, is the little asterisk is that Henry Mudd was well versed in discovery and all of the stuff with it, and he doesn't say anything about it mm. later on. 
Harry Mudd. I mean, yeah. Not that he, not that he would. I say Henry. Harry Mudd. He did, granted he wouldn't have to, but well, it was and don't, kind of a bit of an obsession with him. And don't forget that they set him up so that the the two times later that they run into Harry Mudd, he could be a clone. He could be. Oh, right. a, yeah, a, it could be not him. A Cylon, right? Right. Which um, right. was that was so interesting. It, See, they've done this like ridiculous answers to all of your questions they didn't just give you the easy way out or the easy answers or the easy write-ins for this show they they took the hard questions and then answered them in a crazy way yeah and i don't think it's been a couple weeks since we talked about the show i don't think we've talked since the first part of this finale but i loved the attention to detail and the like you know i assume that they're big fans but like the people in charge of uh, visual design for both the exterior and interior of the Enterprise have to have been some kind of Star Trek fans, like, of the original series. Because J.J. Abrams' Enterprise, from the outside, it still looks pretty much like the Enterprise. I think it leans a little more toward the movie Enterprise, mm-hmm. um, the original you know, with Kirk and Spock, the Enterprise A. Yeah. Um, but the interior is is nothing. It's like transparent screens and a lot of lens flares and all this. But like, you don't mind because it's such an adventure movie um, right. that it's, you know, still cool. Right. But this ship, the interior of the ship and the exterior, it just looks like the original 60s ship in HD is how I like to describe it. Um, well, I, I, their uniforms you know, I are still the uniforms are still the same colors, like the same black and gold and whatever. But but like the material clearly is better. It's not just you know polyester whatever they were wearing in the sixties. Um, they're not you know pushing big buttons and running tape things, but everything's still orange. It's still shaped and laid out the same way. There are screens, there are actual screens where there were just, you know, static pictures on the original ship because they didn't have the technology 50, 60 years ago. Right. Um, And they do all of that, like, there's, there's, um, like... Like Pike's chair is kind of squared-ish. Like Kirk's chair is. Yeah, when you see the ship get hit and somebody goes flying, like I see the ship, the chair that they're sitting in, and I'm like, yeah, that's one of those chairs. It's just a, it's just a basic '60s kind of bucket seat on a swivel, you know, just like they had uh, in the original, in the original series. And I love all that stuff. Like that's that's my version of like you or whoever seeing your favorite comic book characters come to life on the big screen it's like just an homage in the middle of this great fascinating um swashbuckling adventure story that they're going on in this uh swashbuckling is the wrong word but um this big epic adventure story and battle that they're in the middle of um to have all of these little touches and they've done this from the beginning like um Mm -hmm. every time you see the red alert thing it looks like the Elkar's red alert from next generation era ships um they'll weave in just enough of the original sound effects a little bit of you know um phaser sounds um the little beeping sounds on the bridge 
Like I can pick up oh, just little bits of those. those it's, it's yeah. not it's not in a really overt cheesy way, but in the midst of all of the other sound effects that they're doing, they weave in a little little bits and pieces of the classic effects. Um, yeah, they do things like when when the the turbo lift doors open in all of the other series, you would always hear a type thing. Mm-hmm. But but here they still have that exact sound, but it's at a much lower volume. Kind of in, just like it would be normally when ele- when elevators or you go in the grocery store, there's a sound when the door opens, but you don't hear it. Right. But in the in the other series, it was like that's a sound effect that we're putting in the show. Um, but they still had it. Right. But because it in reality, in the '60s, there was a dude behind the behind the set wall, like pulling those doors open and closed because they didn't have motors or anything, right. and so they added in these pneumatic sounds because they're like, oh, well, that's probably how these doors would work is they would have compressed air to like open and close them or whatever yeah but they made a big point of actually like making those sounds noticeable and so so that you knew it was spacey yeah yeah and and now they're like we just need to make it we want to give the homage to it and it's not that important but we so they had it that's the point of like they still put it in there but just slights if you knew it's there it's there right Um, right so so this uh we had only what one person actually die, and that was the admiral. Is that correct in this one? I actually expected a couple other people to die, but um, um, the admiral, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, she, I, I she does it, a I, she does a Spock from Rathacon. right? And she does the salute there too. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a little bit of a touching. Thing. And they set up um, that salute a couple episodes ago, so that when she does it, you're not just like, "Why is she standing like that? What's going on?" Yeah, no, no she's saluting him. I, uh, I. Oh God, he was so Anson Mount was so good in that episode. Um, I mean, he's a little like wink, right? Or like, what's she's like? By the way, I'm in, from the Terran Mirrorverse. In part one, like, what Mirrorverse? Yeah, like, what is happening? What? This is. I saw that happen, and I was like, wait, what? 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 Does we're not? Yeah, I had all sorts of questions. Is he? Does he? Does he always know? Or was he like? Are you really? Are you one too? Or what does this mean? You know, we're never gonna great. know. Or maybe we're we never will. gonna know. But it was great. It was that's the kind of stuff that I love that feeds into possible fan theories and shows and books and all the stuff over a little wink and a nod. Um, right? you said you said early on in this season that you had concerns about the character of Giorgio. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't remember, but I because she as as a Terran as a like sadistic dictator, you're like, what, oh yes. What are they going to do with this? And you know, it's a little bit of a like. You need a you need a good bad guy to fight the bad bad guy kind of thing, yeah. Right, like you could not have had Paladin Christopher Pike lock um um what's the dude's name? Oh, uh, this I keep calling him a central or whatever call there. Yeah, control. Um, you could not have had Pike lock that dude in the spore chamber and and murder him. Right. Right. You couldn't have had him do that. You couldn't have had Tilly or Stamets like maybe Michael. But you they put a lot of effort into redeeming Michael from her mistakes in season one. Like, right. well, you I, really I said, needed I could have seen all of them doing it, but none of them would have said the line of and now I want to hear you scream. Sure. Like, sure. Holy crap. It would have. <laughs> she sits there and smiles really big. It would have dramatically changed any of those characters. Like, sure that they watch. Maybe die. you could have had Saru do it because of his arc in this season, but still, like, Giorgio was the obvious choice. You're like, right. there's this character. She's 
playing nice because she has to, but deep down she's a sadist and that's who you need to take care of this this problem. Yeah, it's she she's doing they're giving her redemption arc and and I'm doing what I just talked about with Shazam is that I'm 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 taking a step back and not <laughs> being my cynical <laughs> critic person because I think it's just a fun story with a, an interesting character and it's okay. I don't want to get too serious about that cuz you can and a lot of people freak out about it. You know, she's a uh, genocidal maniac and you're supposed to cheer for her no matter what there's no redemption coming back from that sure um, you don't you don't come back and like reiterate reintegrate hitler into society you just don't. <laughs> um and that's what she is uh, but i i'm okay because that's not what this is this is a tv show movie about fantasy sci-fi-ish things mm-hmm. so um and that's that's what this is and i'm i'm totally okay with that i i love the new philippa giorgio i think she's cool um, I'm better with her. Oh my God. Like a million times better with her than, um, Lieutenant love interest being section 31. I still have no idea how he's in section 31 and why they all see, seem to keep playing in the fact that he can be this gray line person because at no point did he, has he shown that he is a morally gray character? Hmm. Like, okay, he had the Klingon crazy guy in his head who wasn't necessarily crazy. He was more rational Klingon. Um, but Volk was, did wartime things, and then but that wasn't him. This guy is always a good guy hmm. and always uh, uh, makes the honorable things, never goes against the things, never makes the, the hard choices. Sure. And I don't know how he fits in Section 31 at all but I'll, she now she does that's that makes sense sure well she's gone now though yeah which is how what what do you think about that okay so so let's come back what to that, that first about? <laughs> first i want to say my a, a couple just bits and pieces uh that i missed i eventually got a little fatigued by the um emotional exchanges Oh, me too. Yeah. Right. That's something I'm like, show does I'm not, like, oh, it's, it's action of. scene fight, battle, fight, fight. Okay, Michael, you need to believe in yourself. You had the strength within you all <laughs> along. And I'm like, no, come on. They're going to destroy the Enterprise. What are you doing? Uh, so, hey, an- Sydney watched this with me this last episode. She came in the middle and saw all the explosions and sat down. And she, and she said, pause it and kind of give me the gist. Yeah. And I gave her the gist. And then she was like, when the doctor and them are and his his boyfriend husband i'm not sure partner uh are are on the table and sydney's like yelling at the tv like <laughs> stop talking to him <laughs> everything's dying people around you are overflowed with death and you're uh, talking about your feelings that's a i i didn't mind that because those two characters have gone through such a such an arc from the beginning of sure, the show but still they walk into that scene and they're like, I, yeah, no, I, they're all I, I get that for sure. <laughs> that, that bothered me less than the Spock and Michael stuff. Although obviously oh, as it turned out, the, the Spock Michael stuff was important for the development of Spock's character, right? Like well, and, you had and, to somehow get Spock to, to yeah. the character that he is at the beginning of the original series. Yeah. Um, the arrival and the conversation between Saru and his sister was great. I mean, I think I teared up a little bit. Like, yeah. just he was so proud of her, and it just was a short thing that happened. In I the mean, you the you go all the way back to like six months ago, whenever we talked about the brightest star, and mm-hmm. I that 
that whole concept, that whole like species and the character arc that Saru has gone through and his relationship with his family, like all of that was just great, amazing Star Trek. Yeah, and she and she goes, he goes, no, really quickly, he goes, you're flying a shuttle now or something like that, <laughs> and, and she's like, yes, like that. That was great. Um, I liked. I've always liked speaking of short treks. The the queen, that what what a neat character. Yeah, yeah. I her, mean, her special effects with her eyes are super cool. <laughs> you know, and uh, the fact that they're kind of sounds like they're putting her on the team. That's something. In in some way, it's. Some of that stuff, it reminds me a little bit of of some of the story arcs in Doctor Who, where they'd get to the end of a season and then go, oh, because it's a show about time travel, like, they're always doing this kind of stuff where, like, the one character does a thing they're not supposed to do, and they go back in time and they seed a person's history with these different things to lead them on the path to this point. Um, that's how this, this Red Angel thing felt to me. Um but it's still like she does all that stuff. Her like going through the time vortex and all that stuff was, you know, it's like, how do you portray time travel? Time travel isn't it's real. A good job. That was so, cool, right? So you kind of do something weird with it, something that's a little bit 2001, um, mm -hmm. uh, a Space Odyssey, I mean. Our, our, as comic books guy, I like to say Jack Kirby esque, where it's freaky okay. and psychedelic. And. You know, they go through all that, and then when she finally says goodbye to Spock and starts going, and, like, the suit opens up, and there's this big red trail, just like the title sequence we've been seeing for at least one season, yeah. and it's not yeah. that different from the one from season one, I was just like, I was like, man, that's cool. <laughs> right? Like, it's just, it's just that moment of, like, that's really cool. Like, I don't yeah. have any more words for it than that. It just, it's just awesome looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and it, it, the thing is about this, that we talk about so much on this show and throughout our entire time talking about storytelling TVs or whatever, hmm. this one had a plan from the beginning and had an outline with a beginning and a middle and an end. Yeah. They knew what they were doing from the beginning. For sure. Right. And, at, and at least yes. from the beginning of season two or from oh, yeah. season two, sure. From the short tracks, they might have still been trying to figure some stuff out in season one. Obviously, they set up Giorgio, but I could see somebody, you know, coming in at the beginning of season two and going, what are we going to do with Giorgio? They're like, well, we yeah. have this thing with this evil AI and it's going to take control of uh, Leland as a guy's name. And, Leland, that's right. and so we'll need somebody really, you know, <sighs> being calling them morally gray is generous to to deal with that. To, to ultimately deal with that threat. So well, she'll fit perfectly on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, and, and, and they threw him in there, which was, yeah, you're so like, how, how, you're like, what is right. the point of this section 31? So, well, we found out what the point of it was. Right. Um, well, so what do you think about her? The people that went, we got a new cast member in uh, the former engineer for enterprise, which is neat because that's Scotty going to be there. Right. Like Scotty's got to be on the enterprise. Mm -hmm. That's why they have, they have to open up that position and they give us a new person. I was super worried that they were going to kill off our engineer. Who's by far my favorite character on the show. Um, the, the lady who's it's like, I'm going, I'm I, going. I always sure. forget her character's name, <laughs> but I love that character. Yeah. Um, 
she's yeah. great. I mean, she even yells at the guy like when Pike's like, "Go do this," and he's like, "She's like, I'm going, uh, sir." <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, but th- they had that scene at the it was at the end of the first part or second part where they're like, "You think she's just gonna die?" They're like, "Oh, they're gonna write this character off right here you know, mm-hmm. with this." time device she's doing and they all have to leave and they give her the hug and i'm like oh she's dead all right so so let me ask you what does season three of this show look like okay so season three i have no idea what they're going to do with section 31 because that's actually going to be its own show so giorgio's got to have something about there's got to be at some point people being able to get in time like i don't know if lieutenant love interest is going to be done with the show because he's what the only one that got left back but I think not. They seem to have a big importance with him, which means well, that they'll hi- probably want to come back in time again. H- him and the entire the entire present timeline. So you think the show moves with Discovery into the future? Oh, I definitely do. I think that it moves in the, in the future, but I think that season three has some people or something that goes back. Because like, I think Giorgio is going to go back. And I think that Tyler is Tyler. That's his name. Tyler is going to be on the show somehow um, because they could have easily written him off this season. They didn't. Um, And for him to be in the show, he's in the past. Giorgio's getting the past. So they'll have some kind of time travel. But I think that the show will definitely take them in the future. I know you had mentioned kind of maybe a little snark or something like, you know, it's 900 years in the future. Well, Remember, they say many times that time travel is not exact. They don't know exactly. They can plan to go one way, but they're going to end up, they can end up anywhere. Right. And and I would love to see them end up, say, 35-ish years in the future of the next generation. And we're in we're in new timeline. We've got actors that could guest star on there at their current age. And you could spin right off into the Picard show. Yeah. So for reference... Um... This show takes place roughly 2255, which is about a little less than 100 years after Enterprise, and about 10 years before the original series, uh, 2265. And then yep. Next Generation goes from 2364 to 2370. And I think the furthest forward point they are is Voyager, which ends in 2378. So it's still only, what is that mathematically? Let me go back. Uh, a couple hundred years. It's Yeah, it's less than a hundred years um, from Discovery to the end of Voyager. It's about 120, 130 years. Yeah, and if they just went thirty, that's like twenty, uh, thirty four hundred is what that is. And yeah, and the, and they you know. do stuff in um, like there's a whole two part episode in Voyager. Is it Voyager? Yeah, because Voyager did crazy stuff where they have um, <laughs> Ed Bagley Jr. and um, uh, Sarah Silverman in present day Earth, right, which is like the nineties, and mm-hmm. uh, somebody from the future to Voyager, which is like the 2400s, goes back to, you know, what at the time was present-day Earth, the 90s, -hmm. and, uh, you know, starts giving the Ed Bagley Jr. character technology, which they're like, oh, that explains why computer technology advanced so quickly in the late 20th century, 
you know, right. it was a guy from the future, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. You know, and that's like to go 900 years is like you're way out there. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd love for them to that not to happen. You know, I just thought as you were talking about that, like another angle they could totally go with this is that they take discovery into the Delta Quadrant. Delta Quadrant. And, and they, the, the, the sphere becomes the Borg. Sure. I mean, that's a, that's always a, that's always a possibility. They linked that with, um, uh, the satellite or whatever, the Voyager probe, V'ger, V'ger right? Not, right. not, right. not USS Voyager, the, um, you know, the probe that we sent out in, in the real life. Right. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, they could do that with the Borg. They could make this thing because we don't, that's a part of Star Trek history. We know some vague things about but we don't know the beginning and the origin of the board yeah so that would be you know and this is computer ai and that's what control was gonna be Mm -hmm. so that that's a very natural progression there's just either way that they have a lot of cool options that they can do um i do believe honestly that it will have something to do with next generation not if not just because it's cool and fans would love it and they they the writers and directors clearly love the series, uh, uh, but because the Picard show is out, the Picard show is a big right. thing that they're put, ramping up for. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spring this on you because it's just occurred to me. I want to do a I want to do a thing they do on Geek Scholars. Uh, Never tell okay. me the odds, which is a <laughs> Star Wars reference. But uh, what what percent chance do you think there is that they make a spinoff of? captain pike's enterprise oh man are we talking about wishful thinking or right actual? right like like if the percent chance is how much i want that to be real it's 100 percent. 100 but they're definitely going to do that they definitely are uh percent chance i i would say now it's like a 10 percent chance and, and that's 10 percent is probably coming from anson mount the reception and the fans have been wholeheartedly embracing that character i mean across the board and of, of course Across the board is is not saying a lot in our friends group, but like <laughs> you, me, Fox, and Justin confirmed and all, and and Chris all love Anson Mount as Christopher Pike, right? I don't and and love the it's the first time that I this is saying a lot because I've just I'm known for not being a huge fan of the original series, and this is one that I could be like, oh, I could watch. Star Trek Enterprise original series episodes, not like the real <laughs> ones, but like with this, right? With right. That Spock and with Pike and number one. Oh, yeah, number one. <laughs> I'm doing I a mean, little fanning things with my face right now. So. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I mean, a couple things like everybody loves Anson Mount, you know, their big fan reaction. And also, they built the whole set. Like when they <laughs> showed the, the when they saying. showed the Enterprise before. It was like one of the other sets that they just like tweaked a little bit, right? They modified yeah. it. To, they they built an entire separate set, and you know, TV production value. You know, maybe CBS is going hard trying to make this their version of HBO and just throwing money at it. And maybe right. you know they probably picked up a lot of subs in season two of Discovery because it was so I much hope. better than season one. And maybe they just got enough influx of revenue. That they said, yeah, let's. Let's put more money in this because it's working. Um, yeah. And I mean, ma- HBO is flush with cash right now. It's the same thing. So right. So, yes, it's going to be like, right. yeah, let's make money off this show. And and so, you know, maybe I'm reading into that. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I hope so. I but, really, but re- realistically, what do you? Okay, it's, I said ten percent realistically. It, it's what, hard to separate. It's hard to separate my my hopes and dreams from reality. There is not a ton. There's not a lot that we know about that era of the Enterprise. Right, it's right before Kirk, so it's real like you got to play pretty tight into it. And they've already done a lot of homage stuff with him in the chair and the Telosians and all of that. Like maybe there's nothing to to tell, but you really could do an original series kind of show based on that. But would that be any good if you tried to do an episodic how, how, thing? How maybe is, not. So you being the Star Trek scholar here, and you were just giving the dates. How far in front of the Kirk being in the chair is it? Well, according to the website that I already closed, it's like 10 years. Oh, that's a long time. It's a long time. It feels like it would be even more difficult of a tightrope walk than this series was. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that they didn't burn up Pike and they didn't disable him. They gave us the the illusion that it's going to happen. They foreshadowed it and still left that that opportunity open to them. But yeah, I I. If I'm really honest with myself, it's really probably not more than a twenty percent chance. Right. Yeah. I, I. I hope. I hope that maybe someday. Um. So okay, let's go back. What. What do. What do you think about? I'm. I asked you a couple of times here. What do you think about the the Giorgio Section Thirty One? They are making this. It's not like a, a wishful thinking or this is a one hundred percent happening. Oh, as a thing. as a spinoff kind of a yeah. It, it is a Mandalorian thing, how, kind of thing. How, how does how does Section Thirty One work, knowing that Michelle Yao is the lead in that show, but she's on Discovery? I mean, in the future we think. I mean, she's very, she's a very good actor. Um, <laughs> you know, I that as far as that being a question, I for being more of a Star Trek fan, I don't know a ton about Section Thirty One. I think they're probably a kind of thing that popped up fewer than half a dozen times over the whatever like 400 episodes of of 90s era star trek i'm mm-hmm. making those numbers up um right. and so i i don't really know it's their you know it's but, their but she, it's their version of it's starfleet's version of the tal shiar um, so she wait wait she so section 31 was in the next generation timeline right that was around yeah it wasn't just an original series i okay. i most i mostly know that from reading the reddit of uh the star trek adventures where people are yeah. like, hey, my players want to play, but they, they don't want to do this, you know, episodic Star Trek kind of happy, positive, do the right thing thing. They want to be mm-hmm. a little more underhanded. And so they're agents of Section 31. And so they can do a little more, uh, maybe not quite D&D, but like Star Wars-y kind of stories um, right. because they're covert agents and they're being a little more uh, ruthless. They follow, than, have to follow the prime directive type thing sure what what uh so you think that uh that series will take place in the timeline of wherever discovery ends up we're assuming the future oh um or do you think that they will go that that means that she has to go back in the past if you think it's in the past i think that's easier uh because then they have the opportunity to do you know some holograms or whatever of ash tyler because they seem to be insistent on making his character a thing um i'm not super crazy about that but that's easier than trying to you know cram it in somewhere you know like between discovery seasons one and two or something right well i mean we we hate him for the same reason that most people hate 
when women are in shows to just be the love <laughs> he, interest. He for fails the, guys. the Bechdel it's, test. Yeah, yeah, it's it's there's no reason for those characters before, and there's no reason for this character now. It's if he's not on the screen with someone that he's interested in, he's talking about someone, or it's about that person. Well, and, and I and I don't need. I don't need Michael Burnham to have a relationship to be interested in what is going on with her character. Like, right. no, she's great all by completely herself. Unnecessary. Yeah. It, I think yeah. it, I think it weakens her character, this, this weird relationship because I don't, you know, I don't feel the, the charisma and the connection the, between the actors. Like I don't, I don't either. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's a great actor. Like he's, he's trying to walk this human Klingon thing. That's weird. And, Whatever and, and it just doesn't work for me. Maybe it works yeah. for somebody else, but um. it, it doesn't at all. I don't. I don't. I can't get any facet of his character across, and it and it just comes down as an acting thing that I can't. I can't get him. I can't see him as a Klingon acting that way in any way, and <laughs> I can't see him as a love interest to connection with Michael Burnham. There's just all parts of his character. He doesn't seem to be winning me over from an acting standpoint. No. So yeah. so that's that's a real issue with anything is there. And I like that you said that it weakens the Michael Burnham character because she has already a lot, a lot of friggin' emotional things she's dealing with. Yeah. She's got a show. lot of ties going in different ways. A human raised on Vulcan, like all that stuff. You don't need a weird relationship with a half Klingon guy to like add on to that. It's just strange. Yeah. Yeah, which is it? I actually think, man, I don't want to say it's a weakness, but it's it's something that's still stuck in the back of my head. Of something I'm not a big fan of on this show is the so much emotional stuff that they have that they really try to push all the time. Um, like when they yeah. they've said goodbye to people like fifty times, <laughs> and and it's just like okay. I was, I'm really glad they gave me this emotional thing, but they just yeah. keep doing it. It's, it's yeah. hard because that is some of the, some of the best moments in Star Trek because so much of Star Trek was made before they had the ability to make really convincing combat of any kind. Like the, the real memorable strong moments are character stories, right? They're, you know, Spock sacrificing himself to save the ship and putting his hand on the glass kind of thing. And so it's it's probably hard not to try to recapture some of that because for every awkward boring moment between Ash and Michael there's this this scene with um with Stamets and Hugh where Stamets is unconscious and Hugh is just talking and you get all the emotions all the all the struggle that he's gone through this whole season or whatever since he came back from the mycelial zone or whatever. Yeah. He's um, a mushroom is what he is. He's a mushroom. He's a mushroom. Um, or, or, you know, the scene between Pike and the Admiral or the scene between um, Saru and his sister, like for every, for every awkward, boring emotional scene, there's a, there's a heavy impactful, that you know, scene that makes the, the episode in the show memorable. Oh, I, I I like them. I like those things, and I wouldn't want them to go away. I just think that they were, were sometimes they go too much. And my specific example is: I mean, you're in the finale. It's almost always, it's so almost you're going to have that, sure. But it's almost always with Michael Burnham. Uh, for example, uh, when she's chosen, she speaks up and says that she's going to go out and do this on her own. 
they all have this big like goodbye scene where they're all like you know she's saying goodbye and they're all just heart-wrenching thing and then like a little while later they're like nope not happening and they have another heart-wrenching scene about them being together and then she goes off to to get into her suit and they have a heart-wrenching scene with her again with her crew and i'm like we did this we get it you right you're sad about her i get it and then then we have to go and do it with spock she does it with spock on the ship before she puts her suit on and then like six times when she's out in the ship with spock again yeah that was excessive we we that's my point there's like we get it just that this is my small complaint it's a small complaint just you know hey lighten up on that a little bit and if there's any. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, anyway, yeah it was it. great. Good. If I mean, you shouldn't it's be listening to this if you sad. haven't seen it, but you should go see it. All right. We made me sad that it's going to take so long to see season three. Again, yeah, it's going to be a great long time. thing for a show to have. In the meantime, we have Game of Thrones to watch and talk about. Barely. I mean, Barely. six episodes is I'm really frustrated at this six episode things. I I was very much placated with your I'm not, I don't mean to blame this on you because it's their thing but you you did make this comment that uh well they're making full feature length movie type episodes that are these huge things and let me tell you the first two episodes were none of that mm. yeah you you're know, not wrong they're they're they were 58 minutes and a minute and or one hour and maybe one minute and they were just in place in winterfell on sets with a few dragon scenes and it just was not you know, if this is going to be mo- like, say, four episodes is what this is like, and then we get two other. I'm like, oh, man, this it's going to be not very much. Let's see if there's information on here. There's not. No. They're not giving any of that information out. They're not even giving the titles out until the day the show airs. I mean, these first two episodes are all character development, right? Or whatever. Character well, the, development. The, but like, Don't you think that the last two of the four will also be character development? They'll do a big two-hour finale in the last one. They'll do this next episode, which will be massive, and then there'll be the go-betweens. Some kind of characters. some kind of epilogue story. I don't know, right? Like the books aren't done. I don't know how they they finish this series, this epic thing, you know, that has been a cultural phenomenon for the last eight years. Well, I think they could have done it if they put each one to two or two and a half hours an episode, then that makes some sense that, you know, it's going to take that long. And I know they're moving super fast already. The first two episodes have been like back to back, break, break, neck breaking pace. Break neck. Break neck. That's it. Yeah. Or, yeah. That, that, um, <laughs> with, with characters re- resolutions, but yeah. Um, ugh. Yeah, well, it's... So I'm, I'm a little disappointed in that part of it so far. Let's put that It way. is what it is. Like, I I don't know. Like, I I also don't want it to be done, but I... Um, right. I, I also would not want it to, like, drag out. You're right. So You're right. It, you know, if we watch tough... this whole series in one big thing, we would probably... Let's say if we were... If I was um, binge-watching this, which I did watch binge-watch seasons one through five... Okay. Um, I, which I preferred watching it that way. I really enjoyed binge watching this show. And had this been this breakneck speed at the end, I would be very happy that these are this length. If you look at this in the whole story length type thing, that's like, you've been waiting for so long, please get, you know, Jamie up in front of this court to talk to people. (laughs) And you finally do. You're tired of waiting. 
after right. if you if you binge watch this show. We're we're watching it in this bubble of we haven't seen it for two years and sure when it's the last forever. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that being said, man, did they do a lot in these two episodes, right? Yep. Like they did a lot, and they also did not solve the Danny John thing. No, they got close, and then it's like it's like oh, they're they're setting her up to be pretty ruthless. I mean, she yeah, has a really couple are. scenes. She has this whole scene with um with sansa where it's like oh let's let's be friends let's be sisters and she's like sansa has to poke the bear and of course danny's not going to back down and they're like yeah we're de-. it's it reminds me a little bit of the board game it's like yeah we're going to be allies because of this common threat but the absolute second that that's over f you guys yeah, and but that the thing is, is that Danny has been that way all the time. I mean, she's very much like everyone well, has kept her back from being ruthless. And that's, that's part of the that's good thing true. about her. That has been true for a while, though. You know, like I said last week when we talked about this, a lot of her aggression was directed at bad people, right? Like slavers. Oh yes. Right. Yeah. And early on in the beginning of the show, like retaking the Iron Throne was her brother's dream. It was not hers. Like she was along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a little while after he died and after especially after Drogo dies, because after Viserys dies, she, you know, fully buys into the the life of a Khaleesi, of a of a um, queen. Dothraki queen instead of a, a Westerosi queen um and it takes a while for her to to get to that point and it's like you know it's it's being set up to create conflict between her and john right it it is but still she she is has been i've noticed that several seasons though is that that she's not always a forgiving person Mm -hmm. i i mean i was i was right there when she uh murdered dickon and his dad granted his dad was not a redeemable person but she had no idea who this person was yeah and when when he stepped forward in an honorable way and took up credit for his stuff she murdered him and that's and and everyone in that scene but her was like okay you're doing this for fear you're putting fear into people sure And, and that and that's and when we all watched it we were like that's danny that's how danny you know keeps control that she's in charge and that's what she has to do to to well it's and we were okay with that it's the thing i'm gonna i'm gonna make a gross generalization here but there's a certain stereotype of uh people who were bullied as kids and teenagers become police officers yeah and and then are kind of the worst kind of police officer i don't want to disparage police officers even though i'm i know i started this whole thing that I'm saying, saying that like (laughs) they have a hard, dangerous job and they deal with people 100% of the time who are at their worst. Right. Right. right? But But, but that being said, that's, that's that's the way this character sort of is like she was controlled and manipulated all through her childhood. And so she gets to this point where now she has some power and it's really hard for her not to abuse it. Right. Which is, which is a great case to have her and John ruling. Because they both have their own things that they right that, that they need each other to be good leaders. He has his things issues too, and, and his it's, great stuff. And it's important for 
the showrunners to keep reminding us who Danny is and what kind of person she is, because it's really hard at least for me, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but it's hard for me not to, you know, I mostly shipped those characters from the beginning of season seven, if not yeah. earlier. I'm like, yeah, this is going to happen and then they're going to work and they, you know, they have a lot of sexual tension on screen and whatever. And yeah. so you have this like, oh, it's great. They're the king and queen and they're going to come and they're going to save everybody. And everybody's kind of, you know, Sansa and all the northerners are like. Uh, we don't trust you. And I'm like, why don't you trust her? She's great and beautiful and whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, she's going to let the dragons do whatever they want. Also, remember how she murdered Sam's father and brother in cold blood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and other things that went through down. I mean, to just like keep that in front of mind because it's hard to, you know, you see a whole scene of them in episode one, you know, riding on dragons and you're like, man, it's so awesome. It's so cool. It's like, Okay, right. now now bring it back down and um because I she like, is good. She's got so much good and happy and fun and joy and positive things. Well, that comes out in her in her in her interaction with Tyrion, right? Like yeah. it gets revealed pretty early, right? Second episode that like uh no, Cersei's not going to help you guys out and she's like Tyrion, you trusted Cersei, but you you're an idiot. Yeah, but, right? but see that was I thought but that was then, a reinforcement to her being kind of a uh, a uh, uh, a hothead too because she does she gets pissed and will be like you're done i'm firing you type person right that's the that's the fiery targaryen thing right and then and then jorah talks to her and she she backs off right um and that was that was good i loved the whole the whole night before battle drinking party uh, yeah around the fire I, i wanted to be in that that drinking party like all of all of my favorite characters which are really just uh Tyrion and davos but you know (laughs) davos comes in and he's like he's like no i'm just i want to i want to stand by the fire and then i forget who somebody says something and he turns to Tyrion. he's like second thought maybe i will have a drink (laughs) i I mean i i seriously now you say that he gets such good writing i can't think of who is more of my favorite characters that was not in that room i mean i like the hound but and and I like all the other people for various reasons. I mean, I like John and Danny. But the Hound they, is so unlikable, yes. right? Like you appreciate him, but he's not likable in any no. sense and, of and the you, word. And you like John and Danny. Yes, that's all great. But these guys are and is it um, every one of them. And of all the cool scenes, clearly knighting Brienne was like historical awesome moment and i kept cinema i kept thinking of that scene in the last season of parks and rec where uh lord covington whatever uh gets to night he's gonna knight um andy all right as as johnny karate and you know ben is there he's like what can you do he's like well technically no but the queen lets me do whatever i want because my family's so rich and he, he knights he knights ben just because he wants to and right he like Ben is Ben standing there like looking at his hands it's like it's cool. I mm-hmm. I'm not crazy about the showrunners kind of shipping uh Jamie and Brienne. Like they totally are. They I mean, are. It's it's weird. It's, it's there there it's was fine. something between them when they were together. I saw it when I watched that series and I really was wondering like are they doing something with Yeah, this like thread? is this because a relationship or is there. this a is this a respect uh, night honor 
friendship right, but, kind but of thing. They seem to have come back around the showrunners with, yeah, we want it to be a thing. Although the actor that's playing Jamie is not giving that off at all. Whereas Brienne is giving this like confused, unsure type feelings thing, which is right. really well done. Well, but he's be, not, I mean, that if you not giving it, if you read into and whatever, and I'm sure I mean, we many things to end up with torment anyway. We know yeah, that. many things I've said, I've said this week on the show are going to probably be offensive to somebody. But if you think about that kind of character, that kind of person that Brienne of Tarth is this like large strong female character who doesn't know who doesn't really know who she's supposed to be in this medieval world mm-hmm. right um she doesn't know how to deal with romantic feelings she had romantic feelings toward renly baratheon which is why she was one of his uh not knights but one of his you know knights yeah not not officially um right. and so it makes sense for her to have these sort of feelings that are strange. It's just weird whatever they're doing with those two characters and Torment, right? Because Torment is because Torment's hilarious and awesome, totally and, all over her. At, you know, right? No hidden agenda there. And no subtlety at all. It's it's right. wildling mating uh, uh, practices. Right. Pick up he, lines. But sadly, I think that uh, honestly, if I put money on, I think one of those two are going to die. Or one of those three are going to die, if not two of the three, this next time anyway. I mean, I think, I think either Jamie, Brienne, Tormund, or all three of them can die. I mean, sure. can they? They have they're in a good spot to get rid of them on the show. We're we're like four episodes from the end. Nobody is safe. But top of the list are Jorah and Grey Worm for sure. Oh, for sure. Right? Like yeah. their their send off scenes were too. At this point, for them to survive would feel manipulative, right? Yeah. It's it, the would thing. Be like, it would make these other scenes that they just shown are really wide. I don't remember what I saw. I saw something recently, a show or a movie, where I was like, oh, they're really, they're really setting up that character to get killed off at the end of this episode. And then the character survived. And I'm like, okay, so instead of toying with our emotions one way, they're toying with them the other way and subverting yeah. our expectations. That's kind of lame, but right. But here, here they don't have much room to play with because there is only four episodes left and you can't fool us that soon together. You can't like, Oh, we're going to kill him and then not, and then kill him the next episode. Right. That would be, that would, yeah. So gray worms toast, um, Jorah's toast. I think I honestly am going to put a lot of money on Brienne being toast as well. Yeah. In a very heroic, amazing way. And Podrick mm-hmm. kind of taking over her mantle. Sure. Um, and maybe just, Gendry. I don't know. I think, oh, dying. Yeah. I think Gendry. Will yeah. Die. Yeah. I mean, they, they gave him and see, I can't remember the, the interest between him and Arya. Um, they traveled together they for traveled a while, together. like way back. And I hear in the books there was there was two or like three. some some definite attraction for, by her. There. Sure, but but I, I don't know. So I know that there, that's a lot of talk these days going on today and yesterday about her sex scene and stuff like that. And that's whatever. But I think that um, it just that, felt out of place. It again, it felt like Ash Tyler and Michael Burnham. They just didn't feel like they had the actress is eighteen. Happened. It felt like some of the stuff no, they 22. did. Is she really? She's, she's twenty two, and he is ten years older. He's thirty two. Okay, so her character must be 18. I uh, don't know about that either. I think that she started when she was, um, I think she was like 10. 
supposed to be 10. I don't know. The book said she was younger than that. Yeah, all, all the, the things she was mentioned to be 10. all the children in the books are younger than the actors portraying them, but or 15, e- but she was much younger. Yeah, even that they're rounded up, right? Like Danny at the beginning of the show gets married to Khal Drogo and she's, of course, 18 in the book. She's like maybe 15. Right. And I don't I don't think even that'll because it's a medieval world. And well, the, the, the discussion whatever. between the actor that played Gendry was like. I mean, they, it was good. He, he said, you know, that he didn't want to patronize Maisie Williams mm-hmm. to, to say like, oh, I shouldn't because you're a kid because she's 22. She's a full woman now. Yeah. But but the, and I don't know why we're talking about this. But the, the thing was, he said the thing that made it awkward was that he was having scenes with this girl when she was 15 and was like, you know, uh, yeah. 14. And that's hard for him to put his head wrapped around this kind of a thing here. It, it definitely it's totally okay. It's just yeah, it's like I had no problem with it, but I agree that it felt kind of out of place. Like, what? Why is this here? Like, what does yeah. this? What does this serve to the development of either of their characters? It it didn't. Um, it didn't. I didn't think it really needed to either, except for giving them kind of something to do in this these two episodes. And there's a little bit of that sort of thinking of like. You're at the end of the show. It's not. It's done after this. Everything's done after this. You can do whatever you want before you kill off a, you know, essentially a red shirt character. Like, it doesn't matter that Gendry is one of Robert Baratheon's heirs. Like, the Baratheons are not going to inherit the throne. They're all, all the legitimate ones are dead. Um, yeah, I, you know they they the showrunners actually did ask Maisie like because she when she came with the scene and they're like hey there's this thing and you can show as much as you want or as little as you want and and they were like this so this she said so this is what she's doing and they're like well it's the last day they could be alive and this is why she this is her motivation to do it and they asked yeah. her what else would you want of her on the night before she's going to give in to death possibly and she said okay. I could see that, but the I mean, interview felt like it was a little bit like, yeah, okay. on the one hand, I see that on the other hand, like she spent several seasons, like basically on the edge of death, right. Yeah. To become a faceless man or whatever version of faceless man she is now. Um, she, she had to lose herself. Right. Right. And so I don't, I don't know that this, scenario i mean maybe because it's her child at home it's different but yeah and, and the, again I, I don't i didn't get that connection between her and gendry before she was the faceless man that maybe could play into it and you could play that angle like she had an attraction to him and were something before but i just i don't know I, I didn't see it so anyway that that was something that was not so much for me uh i want to say another torment scene uh when john is reunited <laughs> with is it ed is that his name it's the the black watch guy that's um the night watch guy that i mean his you know i could not remember that guy's name i think his name is ed i think it's edd um oh dollarus ed he yeah, was in the that, books yeah. yeah okay so so he he goes up to give him a grid like big hug and then like torment tackles john out of off camera <laughs> that was so good so yeah. good so good um so that i liked um I didn't get the Jorah Mormont um, Sam thing. Here's my father's sword. I, that felt weird, and I don't know what that was about. But okay. well, it's so John tried to give Jorah his own, you know, Longclaw, the Valyrian steel sword belonging to House Mormont. But 
Jorah's father gave it to John, right? And so he was like, he gave it to you, you keep it. Sam has the sword belonging to his house, but he can't use it because he's Sam. And um, Lord Commander Mormont was more of a father to John or to Sam than his own father was, Right. right? And so it's this like, it's not really a familial bond. And it's also a sense of like, even though neither of them said this explicitly, I think maybe Jorah said something to this effect. It's like, I'm, I'll borrow it, right? You can, right. You, you should use it in this battle because only Dragonglass and Valyrian Steel are effective against whites. So you need it. I can't use it. You can. Yeah. And then, you know. I, I did like Sam's, you know, comedy where he's like, People when when people are commenting on Sam the whole time and he's like, guys, I was the first one to kill a walker and all, I did all this stuff. Did yeah, that was stop? all really good. That was really good. Yeah. Um. And when they're sitting down and he's like, uh, was it Sam the woman slayer and you know slayer of whites and this is the world we're living in now. You know, that's what, yeah. That was yeah. really great. You know, that, this, that was this is where good. the show has come Just from. Getting roasted. Yeah, right. Which, Sam he's just roasted. like stop it for god's sakes uh so the, yeah i like the jamie arc i like the stuff um the scene that i most liked and laughed actually out loud one was was with the party scene um when uh, brianne tells pod you can have half a cup and then Tyrion just overflows the cup it's overflowing it that was so good <laughs> classic <laughs> classic Tyrion. he's like we'll make sure you give a half a cup and like blah pours it that was so good pot pot is is great at every point the showrunners are giving us more how awesome that guy is like he busts mm-hmm. out in a singing voice of angels and you're yep, like yeah of course of course it's a little that's a little bit of a uh lord of the rings oh uh, did you feel that too? like the, the, when, yeah. um what's his name uh pippin starts singing that right the song and i was like oh that's what this is and i i've played that scene over and over again in lord of the rings so (laughs) this this was a great homage or type thing for that uh loved it loved it yep Uh, the big the big battle is next week and whether or not one of our friends said most of the people at winterfell don't know that the night king has a has a zombie dragon i find that hard to believe though we've never seen that information conveyed on screen so yeah they they had to know i mean i feel like it was there Tormund and the whole group came from there, and also Bran saw it. So, like, how is that information not? Well, Bran, Bran doesn't like, say anything he doesn't want to say, but that's true. Yeah. But like, I will Tormund say, I, and I, dudes with I think him Bran's going to die. I'm, I'm glad he's going to die. But let me ask you one thing, because I know we're over here, real quick. Yeah. Uh, one is that uh, I heard a little conjecture today on the Reddit forum threads, which sounds enticing, and I hope it happens, is that the Night King actually doesn't come to Winterfell. Like it's a small contingent with no dragon and the ice King actually marches his forces around and goes to King's landing. And well, and then we, so there's an attack here, but then all of a sudden the main here, the good guys figure out that, Oh my God, they're going to march down and get a million people for their army. And King's this landing. is, this is a distraction. They're going to go wipe out the gold company. And uh, yes. And then, and then you have this, the last, the end of the show is the, the, whatever's remaining of the good guys running down South and Cersei and them kind of sandwiching in the middle. And then it ends with a huge fight between the two at King's landing. Um, so it's possible. And, and I will and the, say, and Winterfell win. It's a win. They actually win it, but several I see. people die. Yeah. Win- Winterfell doesn't fall, but yeah, some people like 
guaranteed Jorah and Grey Worm, as I said before. <laughs> right. So, um, okay, my next question, this is the hard question. I want you to give me uh, well, an uh, answer. Well, to, to answer, I didn't answer oh, your... Oh, sorry, th- my bad. I'm excited. We did not, I did not see the Night King or zombie Viserion. Yeah, Viserion. Um, yeah, Viserion. Yeah. He wasn't there. Uh, they didn't show him. Like, I didn't see him or the Night King in that final shot, so it's possible. That that would be cool, right? Like that would make it less formulaic for the rest of the season. Sure, yeah. like not having to deal with like how they're all retreating and all of that. Like, could be yeah. could be interesting. So sometime, you know, maybe they they win that battle, but then they still rush out to uh, Pikelands so that they can take the ships around and and catch. Right. Catch stuff at King's Landing. Like that's Yeah, and then it's just a big fight there at the I end. I can see Cersei, that happening. Cersei sees the dead and is like, oh my God, type thing. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that would be cool. That would be cool. The, uh, the other thing was that I, I'd like to take a character for you, say their name, and then you give who's a an either or thing and tell me what you think they're going to survive next week. Do okay. you think Sansa's going to live next week? Unfortunately. You, you think she will? You think no, I, the, she's, yeah. she's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still there's still something unfinished in her character. Is, is there? Okay, she feels very Lady of Winterfell in control person, but th- that's a. I, I, I mean, the, I'm, I'm not there's, sure. It could there's go conflict. Way. Yeah, there's conflict between her and John, Danny, and possibly Tyrion. Though that's my little fan. Like she's not, she's she not resolved. Him. Yeah, she's not resolved that conflict between her and John and. Or her and John and Danny, however that yeah. conflict triangle works. And boy, so I, they put. I think there's like still something here is weird. Like they are making her look like Maleficent. Every everything she's in is she is in. Oh, and shout out to Lady uh, Leanna. Is it Leanna Mormont? What's Leanna? Yeah, man, she's always badass in everything she's in. <laughs> <laughs> totally like get out of here! I, I am going. About I didn't it. realize they were cousins. I thought they were siblings in some way, but. Oh, some kind of a thing, yeah. Uh, obviously, because, cousins makes more. She's sense. like, you're the last of our family. She's like, shut the hell up. I'm gonna be. <laughs> like, that's so. Great. I want to see her get in there and just slay some stuff. Hey, uh, I'll leave you with this, with the tying into, into Star Trek. Um, the the on screen chemistry that John and uh, Danny, those actors, have that make us immediately feel that these two need to be together forever since the first scenes they were together is what we're missing with Michael Burnham. And um, the Lieutenant Ash Tyler, they for sure just and it's, they, they could have easily been the same kind of feeling. And I'm sure when you're making a show in a cast, you can't just that's just an intangible thing. And they've got that on Game of Thrones with these people. And that's what they're missing over here. And when you look at those two relationships, it's not the writing or the directing. It's just chemistry that you can't make. I mean, there's a lot of that in Game of Thrones, even from the very beginning, the twin cest relationship between Jamie and Cersei, like. It's gross and it causes this huge conflict, but you see it in the actors on screen because when it falls apart, you see that too. I love that line from Tyrion where he's like, oh, she never tricked you. Yeah. Like, you knew what she was and loved her anyway. The whole time. And it's, that's. Then then was, that was a weird scene because for the first kind of real time, it felt like these are my two brothers and we're talking about our sister in the fact that mm. like you two are a couple and that's just, it's just open and that's the way it is. That felt I mean, odd, but yeah, honest, I guess 
Yeah, it's honest. I mean, they're potentially about to die. I was hoping when when Jamie looked over the the parapet crenellations there that he was going to see uh, Sir Bran of Blackwater. But, oh man, uh, Bran? You mean Bran? Yeah, that's yeah. It. Where um, the heck is that dude? Oh my god, he's yeah. he's on his way. He didn't catch the teleporter like uh, Jamie did. So. Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, he's still got to kill Jamie and Tyrion, right? That's you know, uh, potential uh, supposedly, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, man. Good stuff. I'm. Next week's gonna be big. You're coming into town the, for this, right? Is the big, the big battle, battle for Winterfell. No, I'll, uh, <laughs> I don't know when I'm coming into town next. There's something, some reason. I gotta, I gotta work on the house, right? <laughs> That's, That's right. my my continual excuse. Okay, so we're way over. Let's let's wrap this. Let's, let's wrap, wrap this, this up. Awesome. You've been up. listening to the Front Porch. This is episode 87. Thanks as wow. always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. Check them out. They talk about movies. Yep. If you like Star Trek role-playing and Star Trek role-playing, check out our other show, KlingonsDragons.com. We're several weeks past due to publish an episode. Hopefully, I'll get one of those out next week, because we're not, yeah, or this week, because we're not playing this week. If you've got questions or comments, tell us your own crazy fan theories about the finale of Game of Thrones, uh, your hot takes on Star Trek Discovery, your theories for Avengers Endgame, whatever you want to tell us, you want us to talk about on the show, hit us up. Email frontporchpod at gmail.com or go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. We got contact forms. We got the schedule for the hundred movies. We talked about our movie and I didn't talk. I didn't say next week's pick. Next week's pick is the Clint Eastwood Western spaghetti Western classic. The good, the bad and the ugly. This is one of my favorite Westerns. So I'm kind of hoping it's been a while since I've seen it though. So it's a long one. Make sure you're not tired. Okay. I will make, effort on this one to do that. if you enjoy the show you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or overcast anywhere podcasts found thanks as always for joining us and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch hi guys see you next time 